Do you know that from your position, you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaje as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord God Almighty. Welcome to Bible study. I welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I know you've been waiting and longing to receive the word of the Lord. And God's word is coming your way today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to express your expectations right now to God and say in the name of Jesus, my heart is open. Father, speak your word to me. Speak to me today. Let your word come to me in the name of Jesus. Lord, I receive your word. I receive your word. I receive your word. We receive your word today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Now, so a seed of faith and love to into the life of someone close by, a friend, a beloved one, a brother, a sister. As we listen to the word of the Lord today, Lord, speak to my brother, speak to my sister. Let your word come to him. Let your word come to her. Let your word come to change, to transform his life and his life and life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go ahead and pray. Pray for someone right now. Pray for someone right now. So a seed of love. So a seed of faith. Manto korusta paraniangla da grusha da brahaya. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Glory to God. And so, Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Thank you for your word comes to us today in power, in wisdom, in strength, in understanding. And thank you, Lord God, because we stand by your word and we have understanding by your word. And we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Say a big amen. Amen. All right. Okay, welcome to a new month. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful month and the Lord has um, captioned this month for us um, as a month of blessings of righteousness blessings of righteousness. Can we say that together? Blessings of righteousness. Glory to God. Now, um, the first thing I love for us to, um, to do is to understand what righteousness is. What righteousness is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Understand what righteousness is. Glory to God. Amen. There's a book I wrote, um, Your Authority in Christ. Praise God. Um, I did um, a good job there in defining uh, righteousness. Glory to God. In a couple of uh, minutes from now, I will um, read from that book to introduce you to what righteousness is. Praise God. All right. Now, what is righteousness? And why do we need to understand righteousness? What are the blessings of righteousness? And how well and how much can we make of this righteousness? And these are the questions we're going to be answering uh, this month in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, let's look at what righteousness is first and foremost from God's word. The Bible tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible tells us, it says, The one who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus Christ, was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God. Hallelujah. So it speaks of the righteousness of God. Righteousness. Now, so that means there is such a thing as the righteousness of God. Can we say that together? The righteousness of God. Now, is that the only kind of righteousness there is? Um, 
Let's look at what the Bible says about other kinds of righteousness. So there's the righteousness which is of God. The righteousness of God. In Romans chapter number 10, we start the reading from verse 1. This was Paul writing to the church at Rome. And a good number of them were Jews that had become Christians. They had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wrote to them and said, Brethren, my heart's desire... And prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So at the time, Israel was not saved. They were not born again. A couple of them, very good number of them, um, still are not born again. But I bear them record that they have zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now, if you read the original manuscript in Greek, all right, it says, I bear them record or witness that they have zeal of God, but not according to the knowledge. Okay, the word knowledge there refers to a specific knowledge, not general knowledge, to the knowledge. So they had zeal of God, but not according to the knowledge. The specific knowledge that is meant to bring righteousness. They didn't have that knowledge. Okay, for I bear them record that they had zeal of God, but not according to the knowledge of God. Verse 3, for they, be, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. So that means the knowledge they lacked was the knowledge of the righteousness of God. So they were ignorant of God's righteousness. So again, you see the emphasis here, God's righteousness. So there's such a thing as the righteousness of God. And going about to establish their own righteousness. So it shows us another type of righteousness here, which is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Now, self-righteousness here simply means righteousness by works. All right? The works of one's hands or one's effort. Okay? So the righteousness of God and then self-righteousness have not submitted themselves Unto the righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So the Bible tells us here that there is such a thing as the law of righteousness. Glory to God. Okay? So that means the righteousness of the law. So the righteousness of the law is also the righteousness, uh, self-righteousness or the righteousness of works. Okay? Um, and that's not God's righteousness. We've seen that there's the righteousness of God and then there's self-righteousness, which is also known as the righteousness of the law. Is that okay? All right. Now, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Go on, please. Verse 6. Verse 5, rather. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. So he speaks of the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which doeth those things shall live by them. The man which doeth those things shall live by them. That means the righteousness of the law is based on what a man does. Okay? He does those things to obtain righteousness. Praise God. Okay? So for Moses describes the righteousness of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. So he speaks of the righteousness which is of faith. Now I want you to see this now. Okay? The righteousness of God. And then he says, that is the righteousness which is of faith. Okay? We're going to see that very clearly. In Philippians chapter 3, I'd like for us to start reading from verse 9. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, he says, And be found in him, I want to be found in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, self-righteousness, which is of the law. So that means self-righteousness is of the law, right? But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So the righteousness of God is also known as the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith is also known as the righteousness of God. Self-righteousness is also known as the righteousness of the law. And the righteousness of the law is known as self-righteousness. Is that clear? In verse 9 of Philippians chapter number 3. Very clear. All right, please. uh, Can we revert? Let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith, which is the righteousness of God, speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, 
or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? What does the righteousness of faith say? What does the righteousness of God say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now why is this so? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Righteousness here in context is the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of God. So we can read it this way. For with the heart man believes unto the righteousness of God. The righteousness of faith. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the righteousness of God is believed unto. You believe unto it. The righteousness of the law, you walk unto it. That means the man that doeth them shall live by them. Moses described that righteousness this way. The man that doeth those things written in the law shall live by them. So you see doeth there. Mark the word doeth. Then when it comes to the righteousness of faith, it says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Not does something unto righteousness. No, he believes unto righteousness. Praise God. So, there is the righteousness of God and there is the righteousness of the law. There is the righteousness of faith and there is the righteousness of works, self-righteousness. All right, now having established that, we have to understand what righteousness is. And I love to always do something anytime I am um, introducing any terminology in the Word of God. I like the Word of God to introduce it to us. I don't want, you know, just come up and say righteousness is this. And people say, okay, where did you get that definition from? And then you're looking at them. You don't even know what to say. So let's look at the righteousness of God. Okay, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? Now let's start with Abraham. Let's start with Abraham. In Genesis chapter number 15, we start the reading here from verse 5, please. Genesis chapter number 15 and verse 5, God brought him forth abroad and said, Look now unto, toward heaven and tell the stars if you will be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And then verse 6, And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham believed in the Lord, and the Lord says, that's righteousness. So the righteousness of God, evidently, is the righteousness of faith. We believe unto it. Praise God. We believe unto it. So what then is this righteousness? Romans chapter 4. You know why I, you know, I referred you to this scripture so we can understand Romans chapter 4 um, quite well. Romans 4, let's start reading from verse 1, please. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? What did he find? For if Abraham were justified by works, so he introduces a new word here, justified. Now we've been looking at righteousness, righteousness, talking about righteousness. All right, from the beginning of this teaching, now the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul is introducing a new word here, justified. Come on, say justified. All right. Now that is another name or a synonym for righteousness, justification. Okay? So for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. You know, you can relate to this scripture, right? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15 and verse 6. You remember? Good. And then it tells us here in verse 4. Now to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of death. Verse 5. But to him that walketh not but believeth on him that justified the ungodly. So he uses the word again justification justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So, righteousness here simply means what? Justification. That's what it is. Justification. Glory to God. Now, 
now let's let's move to quickly to verse 17 of the same chapter i want to show you something here quickly verse 17 of the same chapter as it is written god spoke to him i've made you father of many nations before him whom he believed abraham believed even god who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were now jump to verse 19 for time please okay and Abraham wasn't weak in faith. He considered not his own body at the time dead, neither yet deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible tells us in verse 20 that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able also to perform. And then the Bible tells us in verse 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for what? Righteousness. What was imputed to him for righteousness? Faith in God. He believed God, even God, who quickens the dead or gives life to the dead and calls those things that be known as though they were. Okay? Then, verse 23, look at it. This is powerful. And then it shows us here, now it was not written for Abraham's sake alone. That it was imputed to him. Alright? Righteousness was imputed to him. Verse 24. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And verse 25. This is where we're going. Who was delivered for our offenses. And was raised again for our justification. So righteousness justification. You can see the flow. From righteousness to justification here. And then Romans 5 and verse 1. It tells us very clearly, therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, righteousness, justification. Can we say that together? Righteousness, justification. Okay, righteousness is justification. It's justification. Praise God. All right, now. Go back to Romans chapter 4, where we started from, and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? Verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. Verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4. Now to him that walketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Verse 5. But to him that walketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And verse 6. This is beautiful. Even as. Now when the Bible uses the word even as, it's giving us an example. Alright. Even as. David also describes the blessedness. Of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. So he's speaking of the righteousness of faith, not of works, which is the righteousness of God, right? Okay. Saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. All right. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Did you see that? Now, to better understand that scripture, let's read it from the original place where it was quoted from. Psalm 32. Let's start reading from verse 1. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Go on, verse 2. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. That's fine. Just the first two verses. Praise God. Now, understand what this is. Even as David describes the righteousness of the man. The righteousness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. This is the blessing of that man. The blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. And this is the description that the Bible gives. Alright? Um, if I want to define an accounting terminology or term, I have to go to the accounting text. And look at what that word means. Sometimes if you look at a dictionary, you may not get the exact meaning. Because in different fields and walks of life, there are different balances. For example, bleeding in construction is not blood coming out of the body of the builder. (laughs) 
Amen. Bleeding in construction is concrete, you know, releasing excess water. Okay? Praise God. You call it bleeding. But in medicine, it could be internal bleeding or, you know, external. That means blood is coming out from the vein, from the place where the blood should, you know, uh, move or transport itself. It's coming out. That's what it means, bleeding. And then again, curing. (laughs) To cure something. All right? We cure concrete. We pour water on concrete so that it can cure properly. Amen? And someone says, "Mm, what's that? But you can't get that in a dictionary. You have to read the building or construction dictionary. So Bible terminologies are unique to the Bible. You can't be figuring it out in your head. I think righteousness. No, don't think. Don't bring your thoughts into it. Let the Bible think for you. Because it's a Bible terminology. What is righteousness? I think righteousness is doing right. No, no, don't think. What is righteousness? Let the Bible define it to you. Amen? Say amen. Amen. So, this is righteousness. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputes no sin. Did you see that? Blessed. I love this. Blessed. So, righteousness is a blessing. Hello? What is righteousness? It's a blessing. Righteousness is justification. Righteousness is a blessing. It's a blessing. Blessed is a man. Righteousness is a blessing. Okay. Now, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. So, righteousness here described is number one, forgiveness of sins. Did you see that? That means a righteous man has his sins, all of his sins forgiven already. He's forgiven. Forgiveness of sins. That's the first thing righteousness means here. Forgiveness of sins. Okay? And then it goes on to tell us, and whose sins are covered. In other words, whose sins are remitted. Now his sins are forgiven, and then his sins are remitted. Now, if you read the New Testament, most of the time when the word forgive or forgiven is used, if you trace it to the Greek word, the root word in Greek, it's aphesis. simply means remitted, blotted out. That's what it means. Erased. Now, under the law, their sins could not be erased. Their sins were atoned for. There was a covering of the life of animals over their wrongdoing, temporarily. So that was why they had to do those sacrifices over and over and over again, every year. Praise God. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. But in our case, forgiveness here, all right, brings us to the place where the sins we once committed have been remitted. That means Christ remitted those sins. He blotted them out. He cleansed them. He raised them. That's what it means. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible tells us, it says, in Christ we have redemption, a divine buyback. All right? A ransom. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins, according to the riches of his glory. So the remission of sins. That's forgiveness. Same thing is said in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. Okay? So, righteousness here starts with forgiveness. That means there's a pardon for your sins. Praise God. That's number one. And number two, your sins are remitted. Your sins are remitted. That means, you know, you may have a pardon for sin and then someone um, still has the opportunity to remind you of the bad things you once did. (laughs) All right? But when your sins are remitted, there's no record of those things anymore. No record. Remitted. Remitted. So, righteousness means, number one, forgiveness of sins. Number two, remission of sins. Glory to God. Remission. Okay? 
And then number three, righteousness here simply means this blesses the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That means there is no reckoning of those sins to that man anymore. Number one, he's been forgiven. Number two, the sins have been blotted out. Number three, no reckoning. No reckoning. There's no way sin can be reckoned to that man anymore. Because he's been justified. So no reckoning of sin to his account anymore. Did you see that? Come on now. Did you see that? All right. And then number four is not described here. But David described it very clearly in Psalm 32 and verse 2. Okay? He says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. In whose spirit there is no deceit. In whose spirit there is no sin. In whose spirit there is no consciousness of sin. Glory to God. All right. There is no guile. And that is explained to us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Cor- you see, if you don't teach this way, if you teach text- textual teaching in church, just take a verse and talk about it generally, people may get blessed from that verse, but they will not be rooted in the word of God. Because they don't really understand what you're talking about. Doctrine must be taught so people can be rooted in the word of God. Amen? Yeah. This is the reason people backslide easily. Because they, they don't have a foundation. Amen? So you, you have to teach the word. And take people to scriptures. Understand it from the scriptures. It's very important. Alright. So, it tells us here, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, is a new self, is a new being, is a new species of man. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So that means his life, his spirit nature, his being is a brand new person. He's a brand new being. Glory to God. Okay? In whose spirit there is no guile. In whose spirit there is no guile. Praise God. So what is righteousness? Four things primarily from the word of God. Number one. Righteousness simply means forgiveness of sins. Number two. Righteousness means remission of sins. Number three. Righteousness means no imputing or reckoning of sin to one's account anymore. I want you to understand it. The word says so. We read it from the word. Amen. Number four, righteousness means new creation. Born anew. With the nature of God, the life of God, in whose spirit there is no guile. Did you see that? That's what righteousness means. See? So, when you say a man is a righteous man, the righteousness of God here, what does it mean? It means his sins are what? Forgiven him. Did you see it? He's a righteous man. What does it mean? He means his sins have been what? Blotted out. Okay? So no reference point anymore. The devil can say, you remember the saying, if you are ignorant of God's word, you concede some space to him. And then he can start teaching you in righteousness. If I, I know God's word, you can't, you can't even engage me in such discussions because I've been taught the word. Amen. My sins are blotted out, blotted out, blotted out. Glory to God. Blotted out. Amen. That is what is said in um, Colossians chapter 2. You start reading from verse 11. Blotted out, blotted out. It says, In whom also we are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Read on verse 12. Bear with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God who had raised him from the dead. I love this. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh had he quickened made alive together with him having forgiven you. Forgiven you. Having forgiven you our all trespasses. Come on, how much? 
all trespasses, all. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Blotting out. He blotted it out. <laughs> Glory to God. And that's, that, see, that forms the foundation of your faith. So the enemy cannot come and say, you know, you did this, your parents did. You know, no, 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 no. Blotted out. Come on, say blotted out. Blotted. All right. Blotted out. Blotted out. Okay. Go back to Psalm 32 and verse 1. Hmm. So what is righteousness from scriptures? They say, are you a righteous man? You say, yes. Okay, I'm a righteous man. What does it mean to be righteous? What is back of righteousness? What is behind it? Forgiveness of sins. My sins have been forgiven me. Number two, come on now. My sins have been remitted, blotted out. Number three, come on now. There is no reckoning of sin to me anymore. That means you cannot trace it and say, because of what you did, this must happen to you. No reckoning anymore. Amen. No reckoning. That, okay, you know, and so that's why this is happening. If the devil says, well, you see now, you just hurt your leg. You see, it's just, your sins are too many. You are suffering. You better be asking God for mercy. And you say, ah, but Lord, mercy, mercy. And God says, ah, look at my son. Look at my daughter. Does he understand righteousness? Amen. <laughs> if I hit my leg against a stone and it bleeds, <laughs> I will hold it and you know try and get something to at least stop the bleeding. And the devil says, "Shut up there in Jesus' name. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm blessed. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed." I'm blessed. Amen, amen, amen. As a Christian, are you, are you suffering for your sins? Are your sins not too many? <laughs> See, you're suffering for... Yeah, yeah, I know it's my sins. In fact, the fact that I'm alive right now is the mercy of God. You know, that sounds religious, right? <laughs> All right. But it's, it's not the word. You're speaking sense knowledge. You're speaking based on how you feel. Not what the word says. We walk by faith and not by sight. What do I feel? I feel like I'm suffering. Don't, don't confess your feeling. Confess the word. Yes, Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? So no imputing. And that's why I have confidence that I'm a blessed man. That, that all things are working together for my good. There's no devil that can use anything against me. Are you following what I'm saying here? Or what, what will be the account that he's going to reckon that to? Whose account? There's no man can lay charge against God's elect. You can't. You can't. Amen. No charge. <laughs> And then number four, you see, you're a brand new man. You're a brand new man. Okay? So that's what righteousness is. And let's look at righteousness, the righteousness of God here. Let's look at the two the different levels of righteousness. Righteousness is in levels. Amen? There's a righteousness that is reckoned to you. And there's a righteousness that is what you are or who you are. Amen? Now, the righteousness that Abraham had was reckoned to him on the account of faith. Genesis 15 and verse 6 tells us that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. Amen? To him for righteousness. Now, what does that mean? It simply means that in his account, in his favor, there there was a credit of righteousness such that he could act like a righteous man. That kind of righteousness is limited. It's called limited righteousness. It is righteousness, but it's limited. Praise God. That means... Abraham's righteousness was 
credited to his account in a report sheet. So, so long as he's holding that report sheet, he's a righteous man. Praise God. Are you from saying here? Was not imparted to his spirit. Was just credited to his account. Amen? I said amen. amen. But there is another kind of righteousness higher than that, which is the righteousness that is imparted to you. That means you don't have it. You are it. Amen? Amen. And this kind of righteousness is the righteousness that we have in Christ. It is powerful. Now let's look at it. Romans chapter 3 quickly. I'd like for us to start the reading here from verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the Lord, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now, come on, say, but now. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What's this righteousness? It says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto and upon. Come on, say unto. Unto and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. So this righteousness here is unto, to start with, and then upon. Praise God. Amen. Now, who reckoned righteousness to Abraham? God. Who reckoned righteousness to Abraham? God. On what account? On the account of faith. He believed God. Okay? So, the first thing that happens when a man is to get born again, he believes that God has raised Jesus from the dead who died for his sins. And then, by that act of faith, righteousness is reckoned to him at the first level of it, of righteousness. Amen? So what happens is this. Jesus, the Lord, becomes his righteousness. Jesus becomes his righteousness. What does that mean? The Bible tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. It says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus. But of God are we in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us. Now, God has made Jesus Christ unto us wisdom. Come on, say wisdom. wisdom. Unto us. And righteousness. Come on, say righteousness. righteousness. All right. So, Jesus is our righteousness. He's been made our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. The same way Abraham's faith directed his attention and focus towards God and stayed it on God. And then God says, that is righteousness to your account. So Jehovah became his righteousness. The moment a man reposes faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, the shorty of the new covenant, becomes his righteousness. Amen? Praise God. Now this is what is... Um, Stressed in First Peter chapter two. Uh, look at First Peter chapter two and verse twenty-four. I want to show you something here. It's very important. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree on the cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So Jesus took our place. He represented us. He was our substitute. He took our place. And when he died for our sins and was whipped for our sins, he took our place so we might take his place. Hallelujah. So he became our righteousness, our legal ground for justification. Praise God. 
Did you see that? So that's righteousness imputed to us. So to every Christian, there's the imputing of righteousness to us. But much more than that. Much more. There's more. There's more. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 21. <laughs> I love this. For he had made him to be seen for us. Now, you have to understand the scripture. He made him to be seen for us. It's different from he made him to carry our sins. He actually carried our sins. But this is saying that he made him to be seen for us. That means he made him to partake of our sin nature, to become one with our sin life, to become one with our righteousness life. See? He made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mm. Now, this is saying something else in addition to what we know about righteousness. That he is our righteousness, very true. He's been made righteousness unto us, very true. Righteousness has been reckoned to our account, imputed to us, very true. But here, he's saying something else. He's saying that Jesus partook of our sin life and sin nature, that we might be made, notice he didn't say that, we, that God might be made righteousness unto us. He said that we might be made the righteousness of God. So, made righteousness is different from righteousness imputed to you. One led to the other. You see it? So that means, look up please. This simply means that because Jesus took our place as our substitute and he became one with our sin nature. Alright? Now we are one with his righteousness nature. So righteousness is now imputed to us. Alright? And then we have now become what? The righteousness of God in him. Say hallelujah. (laughs) So righteousness at two levels. Imputing of righteousness to us. Justification. Amen. And now we are the righteousness of God. Now, how can a man be the righteousness of God? Now, it's very easy to understand that a man has the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God has been imputed to him, right? Very easy. But now he's saying that the man that has been, that has received righteousness from God, to whom righteousness has been imputed, is now what? The righteousness of God. He's been made righteousness. Do you know what that means? Amen. So that means that man has become the rightness of God. That's that's heavy. Now, the best way to understand righteousness in this regard is to understand righteousness regarding substitution, the substitutionary work of Christ. Let me show you this scripture. It will help you greatly. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse 9. I want you to see something here. Now, you, you'll catch it now. For ye, ye, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich... Now, when you say man is rich, it's, this is not like the man has riches. He is rich. He's a rich man. That's who he is. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. So, this was what Christ did. He was rich. He had everything he needed. No lack. He was a rich man. Born rich. And then the Bible tells us that for our sakes, he became poor. That means not that he just released his riches. No, he became poor. It was a becoming. That means he became a poor man. 
so that we, through his poverty, might be rich. That means we now enter into that place where we are called rich, not because of possession, but because of nature. Now, we're dealing with nature here. Amen? You are not a Christian because your sins have been forgiven you. You are a Christian because you are a child of God. You see, the process of forgiveness is to bring you to a place where you can have or receive the nature of God. The nature of God has been imparted to you. You are a child of God, not by conversion. You are a child of God by a biological reality, a biological birth. You were born again. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay. In the same vein, Jesus was called the righteous one. Amen. In First uh, John, chapter number two, if we start reading from verse one, okay, First John two and verse one, it says, "My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the righteous, Jesus, with the, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous." What's his name? The righteous. Now, it is a Jesus Christ that has righteousness. By nature, he is the righteous one. Hello? Okay. He's the righteous one. By nature. He's called the righteous one. Now, we were called sinners before we got born again. Not just by transgression, but by nature. We were children of wrath by nature. Ephesians 2 and verse 3. Did you see that? So, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 is actually an exchange of natures. Jesus Christ partook of the sin nature. He became sin. He was made sin for us. Not that he bore our sins. Much more. He became sin. He knew no sin, but God made him sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. So it's a nature thing. Now Abraham didn't have the nature of righteousness. Righteousness was reckoned to his account. It was an imputing to his account. We have much more than that. Glory to God. Righteousness is now our nature. You see the fourth part of righteousness here. In whose spirit there is no guile. Psalm 32 and verse 2. Amen. So that means righteousness for us now is much more than a credit. Righteousness for us is an ability. We've been made right because we are now the righteousness of God. You see, rightness comes out of our spirit. Rightness comes out of our being. The same way, you know, the seed of God, the character of God comes out of your being as a Christian. As you feed on the word of God, the life of God flows from within you. You are a child of God, not by conversion. You are a child of God by regeneration. Amen? So when you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, in fact, the Bible calls us the righteous ones, the just. The just. Much more than those who have been justified, but the just ones of God shall live by faith. Did you see it? We are the just ones of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. (laughs) Now if you understand righteousness at the imputing level, okay, you may not live a life better than Abraham lived. Amen. May not live a life better than Elijah lived. But to understand that you are the righteousness of God, all right, then you are ready to live like Jesus lived. You see, when Jesus, the Lord, was born into this world, he was not born to receive righteousness. He was righteousness. He was the righteous one by nature. Had never partaken of sin nature was not born as a result of the sperm of Joseph coming, you know, to come together with the egg of 
of Mary the Virgin. No. He was born of the Spirit of God. The Word of God came, she believed the Word, and the Spirit of God came upon her, and Jesus was conceived. He was a product of the Word and the Spirit. He was the living Word with flesh, human flesh, in the womb of a woman, a virgin. When you got born again, you heard the gospel of your salvation, and you believed it, the same way Mary believed the gospel that Angel Gabriel preached to her. The word came. She believed it. You believe the word. Then the spirit of God came and recreated you. You became born again. You were born anew. And that new man, born again, is born of the righteousness of God. Righteousness, as far as God is concerned, is not an imputing to his account. Righteousness is the nature of God. And now let's look at this again in um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'd like for us to start reading here from verse 23. It says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now note what it says in verse 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God. Come and say after God. After God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The creation, the new creation. All right, the new man in Christ is created after God, patterned after God in righteousness and true holiness. In other words, after the nature of God, after the life of God, after the life of God. This was why Jesus was not ashamed to call us brethren. Amen. Did you see that? So the righteousness of God is in your spirit. The righteousness of God here is the nature of God. The least form of it is the imputing of that righteousness to your account. So Jesus has been made righteousness unto us and now he tells us we are his righteousness now. What does that mean? Amen? (laughs) We represent him. We are his righteousness. We have the ability to stand as God's righteousness to the world. We are his righteousness. The ability of God is in you. You are God's righteousness. Praise God. That's what it means. You are a righteousness. His righteousness. So, this is the equation. It has two sides. He is our righteousness and we are his righteousness. It's just like looking at your son. Okay? Your son looks at you and then you say, that's my son. <laughs> right? And then your son looks at you and says, that's my dad. And you look at your son and you say, that's my son. Right? <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> The son looks at the dad and he says, I am like my dad. And the dad looks at the son and says, my likeness is in you. You know, this creation is the creation of God. It's called the workmanship of God. Bible says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Created. Created. All right, so let's let's bring it bring it down now. Let's break it down and bring it down to um, application of what righteousness is. Praise God. Application of what righteousness is. Now I need you to get this book. It will help you. Your authority in Christ. Your authority in Christ. It will help you greatly. All right, page one hundred and thirty-two. I want to read some things to you here. Okay, number one, it tells us, it says, righteousness is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. That means you cannot work for it. A lifetime is not enough to labor for the righteousness of God. It is given to us. It's a free gift from God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 that the righteousness of God is a free gift. It's a free gift. Praise God. So what that means is this. 
The moment you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, righteousness is imputed to you at the first level. And as you're born again, that moment that you're recreated, you become a child of God. Righteousness is imparted to your spirit. Amen. Now that's why I wonder sometimes, it, it, it must have taken darkness in the mind of God's children for them to be oppressed by the devil. That's a lot of darkness, a lot of ignorance. Because while sleeping, while asleep, <laughs> you are a terror to the devil. You know what that means? You see, the, the devil is so unrighteous that he is afraid of the righteousness of God. A man is afraid. Hmm. I have discovered that there's something more terrible than sin itself. Sin is really terrible. But some people think sin is the most terrible or the worst thing under heaven. But there's something more terrible than sin. It's called sin consciousness. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. And sin consciousness works in the mind of a Christian and in the mind of an unbeliever alike. Though the Christian is no longer a sinner, but the moment he's conscious of sin, the sin consciousness here brings guilt and condemnation. Inferiority complex. And this sin consciousness is what paralyzes faith. In the presence of sin consciousness, faith is paralyzed. You can't believe. He says, look, look at it. He says, the righteous man is as bold as a lion. Why? Because he knows who he is. Praise God. So sin consciousness here is that is what the devil uses against Christians. All right, he wants you to be conscious of your past sins of which the Lord has forgiven you. Praise God. The moment you are conscious of it and you feel guilty and condemned, it starts working. You see, death works in condemnation. The ministration of death is the ministration of condemnation. The moment there's a sense of unworthiness, death will start working. Not because you have a path to death, but because you are ignorant of who you are. Now, someone says, well, what if a Christian does something wrong? Repent. Right there and then. Change your mind. No, that's not right. I repent of that. Amen? Does not mean you now come under the weight or burden of condemnation. You have to repent and say, oh, I changed my mind. I wasn't supposed to do that. And then... You say, Father, thank you for your forgiveness. I repent of that sin. Thank you for the cleansing of the blood. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. But you see, the moment you come under the weight of condemnation, <laughs> you realize that every time people are condemned about whatever brought the condemnation, they will repeat it, they will do it again. Because condemnation puts you under the weight and the influence of sin. That's why it says, awake to righteousness and sin not. If you are not awakened to righteousness, you come under the influence of sin, you feel guilty. The strength to say no, subsequently, is sapped out of you. (laughs) And then you go back into it and do it again and feel bad and do it again and feel bad and do it again and feel bad and keep doing it. And then you come to a place you believe that I can't get out of this thing. This is part of life. Everybody does it. But that's not correct. There are people who are living above sin practically. Amen? Yeah. Because Jesus died to set us free. From the hold of sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion over us. You see, the understanding of righteousness here sets you free from it. You do something wrong, repent of it right there and then. 
All right? And say, Father, by your mercy and your grace, I have forgiveness in Christ Jesus. I have repented of that sin. I receive the cleansing of the blood. I receive the cleansing of the blood. You're cleansed. You see, let me tell you something. There is worldly sorrow and there is godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is unto condemnation, damnation. Godly sorrow is unto repentance. After Peter, Simon, and Judas had sinned, all right, Judas felt godly, I mean, worldly sorrow. The sorrow was too much on his soul. He committed suicide. He killed himself. Peter cried, wept bitterly, and repented. Judas's bishopric was taken away from him. For Peter, he retained his bishopric. <laughs> but listen very carefully. There was a way David repented, and there was a way Saul of Kish repented. David's kingdom was preserved. Saul's kingdom was taken away from him. But both of them did wrong. Amen? Are you following what I'm saying here? So what was their response to what they did? One responded from righteousness. The other one responded from condemnation. People lose out when they respond from condemnation. Doesn't mean you are not repentant. Repentance, according to God's word, does not necessarily mean beat yourself down. Cut yourself. It doesn't mean penance. It doesn't mean cut yourself, bleed to death because you have done something wrong. It simply means change your mind, confess that thing, and let it go. You don't believe that that's the way to live. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in sinning. Sinning is not my life. See? Now, when you repent in a worldly way, you will do it again. And again and again until that person is yoked. When you repent in a godly way, there's godly sorrow. Meaning you feel, no, I shouldn't have done that. That's not the way. That's not the way. So you change your mind. But don't lose the consciousness of righteousness. There's a consciousness of sin and there's a consciousness of righteousness. Now, what makes anything that God has blessed you with, all the blessings of God, what makes them walk? All right, is faith. And faith is consciousness. Primarily, faith is consciousness. Amen. Faith is what? Consciousness. <laughs> You're conscious of what is for you. And you respond to that thing accordingly. That's faith. Praise God. So you see, you, you have righteousness credited to your account at the lowest level of righteousness. And now in Christ, you have righteousness imparted to your spirit. So you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This new man was created after God in righteousness. Created. He was created in righteousness. David said, in sin was did my mother conceive me. That means I, I have the sin nature. That was his plea before God. Now he says the new man here is created after God in righteousness. That means the new man has the righteousness nature imparted to him. Praise God. It strengthens your faith. It gives you boldness to face any task. It gives you boldness to tell the devil to get out of your way. Amen? It gives you boldness. Because demons are unrighteous by nature. They are unrighteous. You are righteous by nature. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, this is the beginning of uh, <laughs> this series. Amen. <laughs> I know some of us, you're getting, just getting into the flow. 
Praise God. Well, let's just follow and get to understand what this righteousness is and the blessings of righteousness. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word has given us light and understanding to the simple. We have received your word. And we thank you for your word is working in us now. Thank you for your word is cleansing us from every sin consciousness. Cleansing our mind from every consciousness of condemnation and guilt. Thank you, Father. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Make bold to say it. You see, you have to make bold to say it, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what that means now. By nature, you possess that righteousness, and you are going to live it out. You are going to manifest it. People will see it and say you are the righteousness of God. Amen? You are going to live it out. But you have to admit that you are that righteousness to start with. By nature. Glory to God. God bless you.